A kdo to bude platit? Mrtví, mrtví. Jenomže si zapomněla zavřít okno. They're under the goddamn ground. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? They have 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. Dallas Multipass. Good morning, welcome to Celluloid Days. I'm your host, Jeff Kelly. And on this podcast, we like to talk about film and film history, but I also like to use this podcast to discover films I hadn't seen before and learn about filmmakers I don't know anything about. Today I'm going to talk about a strange little film from 1966 called Daisies. And really quickly, before I get started, you know, if you have a film you think I should see, something strange and unusual, please let me know about it. I'll tell you where you can do that at the end of today's show. I saw this film, Daisies, years ago. I just came across it one day while channel surfing. I was so taken by its uh, quirkiness that I burned a copy on a DVD and gave it to a friend who I thought might appreciate it. And then I had totally forgotten about it until a few weeks ago when this friend, Dave, said he came across the DVD and watched it again. I thought, I need to watch that again myself. After watching it, I said, now I need to talk about this on the podcast. The thing is, I got really curious about the person who wrote and directed this film, Vera Hitalova. And by the way, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. This is the way I heard it pronounced on an interview I, I found with her, and uh, I'll talk about that a bit later. In fact, though, there are going to be a lot of Czechoslovakian names here, and uh, I'll do my best, and I'm going to apologize in advance. So the more I learned about the director, Vera, the more I was impressed. She was born in Ostrova, Czechoslovakia on February 2nd, 1929. Now there's a lot I could talk about here, but I suppose it would be best to start with the Czech New Wave that began at the Film and TV School of Academy of Performing Arts in Prague, known as the FAMU. She was 28 when she was accepted into the school, the first and, at that point, only female student. One of the other students at the time, who also became part of the Czech New Wave, was Miloš Forman. Vera graduated in 1962. The term New Wave is used to describe a new breed of artists that create art in their own way, totally ignoring the traditional ways it had been done previously. In filmmaking in the 1950s and 60s, a new wave movement happened when young filmmakers began creating their work without any regard for what Hollywood was doing at the time. It was often experimental with narrative and editing techniques that would have been unthinkable in mainstream films. At the time, Czechoslovakia was under the control of the Soviets and some young filmmakers used a spirit of dissent and black humor to satirize life under the communist regime. This was what was to become the Czech New Wave. Vera was one of these, and she would go on to become one of Europe's most innovative filmmakers of the 1960s. She began with two short films, both not long enough to be a feature, and 
not really short enough to be considered a short. Her first was 1961's 42-minute ceiling. I've never seen it, but Letterboxd described it this way. The young Marta has made a break in our medical education to fully invest in her career as a model. We follow her for a day in her life, almost completely without hearing her voice. It is seldom that Marta gets the space to speak. Instead, she is mostly subject to the voices of others. And Richard Brody of The New Yorker wrote, The most innovative director of the Czech New Wave, Vera Hitilova began her career with Ceilings from 1961, which is surely among the most innovative student films ever made. She followed that up the next year with a 43-minute film called A Bag Full of Fleas. Okay, I haven't watched this one either. Hey, look, one of the main reasons I'm doing this podcast is to learn about filmmakers I was unaware of, and anyway... A Bag Full of Fleas is the story of young female textile workers who all live in a hostel. The story is told through a new girl, Eva. According to the Sense of Cinema website, there are little things in the narrative that form Hidalova's critique of the Czech communist government and the way its processes affect the lives of young women. In 1963, she finally made her first feature film called Something Different, and you're correct, I haven't seen this either. But in the future, I do plan to seek out as much of her work as I can. I think the Criterion channel has a lot of her work, but I don't subscribe to that right now. I might have to soon. Anyway, I think I'll turn to Wikipedia for this one. It says, The film intersperses two separate narratives. One follows Vera, a fictional housewife living in Czechoslovakia, and the other following Eva, an Olympic gymnast played by the real-life Olympic gold medalist Eva Basakova. Hitalova's first feature film is regarded as one of the breakthrough films of the Czech New Wave, as well as an early example of women's cinema in the Eastern Bloc. She followed that up with the subject of today's podcast, Daisies. So one day I'm just flipping around the TV, and I suddenly saw two young girls in what appeared to be a black-and-white film. As I found out later, they were both named Marie. One was a redhead and one was a brunette. They were both sitting in front of a wood fence, or maybe a barn, I'm not sure, and both dressed in two-piece bathing suits. They were speaking in Czechoslovakian, though I must admit I didn't know that at the time. I might have flipped to another channel, but then one of the girls moved her arm, and it squeaked like an old wooden door. That caught me by surprise. And as they talked, every movement they made had a similar sound. They talked about how the whole world is spoiled and why shouldn't they be spoiled as well? And then one girl, the one on the right, slaps the girl on the left, and that girl falls backwards. Suddenly the film is in color, and we see the girl fall into a bush. Both girls are now there, and they began to do the silly dance in front of a small tree containing many different types of fruit. What am I watching, I wondered. 
Maria, too, the redhead, takes a peach off the tree. When Maria asks her what she has, we cut back to Maria, too, who is suddenly in a room, a bedroom with drawings all over the wall. She's sitting on a bed. Maria, one, forces Maria, two, to spit out a peach pit. Both girls are quirky and charming. And while many times this type of behavior can get grating as the film goes on, I didn't have a problem with it here. Maybe it was due to the surrealistic nature of the film, but it also could be that we never really learn anything about these two. We never learn their age or where they were from or their hopes or dreams, nothing. In fact, I don't even think they identify themselves by name. We just call them Marie 1 and Marie 2, but I don't remember that actually being said in the film. And as the film moves on, the two girls begin to do elaborate pranks on older men. The first of these is when Maria 1 goes on a date with a middle-aged man. The two are sitting in a restaurant when Marie 2 shows up, sits down, introducing herself as Maria 1's sister. The man is obviously not happy with the situation, and Maria 2 begins to order food and stuffs the food into her face. This totally interferes with the man's apparent sexual desires for the young Marie 1. We cut to a train station, and Maria 1 boards the train, seemingly going away with the gentleman. But once the train leaves, we see she has snuck off and standing on the tracks, giggling. What was Vera trying to say? Something about an older man dating a young girl who might even be a teenager with the hopes of having sex? I'm not really sure, but it seems that way, right? This film goes on with the girls in all types of unusual situations, engaging in strange pranks. It is also created with very unusual editing, switching back and forth between black and white and color, and many times the colors flip to strange, almost psychedelic visions. The film uses a barrage of stylistic effects from filters, varying film speeds, and unusual editing. And for me, it makes the film fun to watch. It reminded me that one time I did a review of the film Pie on YouTube, a film I also enjoy, and that film also uses a bunch of unconventional editing and sound effects. Someone left a comment that to him it seemed like a young filmmaker trying too hard to impress. But to me, hey, that's not the point. The only point is, did I enjoy watching it? And in both films, I can say yes. Vera Hidalova said of this, we were concerned with all aspects of the film conveying some kind of meaning, not just the color, but also montage, the rhythm of the film, the way the actors would behave, special effects, all these should somehow serve to support the idea of it. Of course, we were all concerned about holding the attention of the audience. There had to be enough there to catch the eye. And of course, there had to be some sort of action that the audience could follow. That was the most simple line. We wanted to make a film that would develop a stream of consciousness that would explore a whole range of associations. 
Now I'm going to stop with my synopsis of the film here. I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, later I am going to talk about the end, so I guess that is a spoiler. I'll give you fair warning before we get there. And you know, I could go on and on describing every scene, but it would hardly do the film justice. It, It needs to be watched. And this is one of those films, you know, that as I watched it, I'm thinking in my head, well, the director is trying to say something important, but I'm not quite sure what that is. It seemed to me it had something to do with how women were treated at the time, but, um, you know, I really didn't concern myself with that. I just enjoyed the film for what it is. The film stars Ika Charhova and Ivana Karbanova as the Maries. And again, I apologize to both of them for the way I pronounced their names. I did my best. I have read that they were both non-professional actors. This was the second film for Ivana, who was born in 1944 and, as far as I can tell, is still alive today. She would do a few more movies between 1966 and 1968. None of them I will attempt to pronounce. For Ika, who was born in 1947 and, again, I believe is still alive... This was her first film, and she would be in seven more films from 1966 to 1977. So what is this film really about? I'll read from what B. Ruby Rich from the Close-Up Film Center's website had to say. Daisies is a brightly colored, surrealistic comedy starring a couple of chicks in search of kicks. Spawned by the Prague Spring, the best friends undertake a quest to find a life different from their previously regimented patriarchal society. Picking up men to fleece for fancy dinners, escaping sexual obligations by hopping trains, chatting up men on the phone while roasting and cutting sausages in their room? The two are transgressive adventurers and inveterate customers. They must be seen to be believed. Frenzied, obsessive, undoubted until a Bashian ending plunges them into the consequences of their actions. Hitalova made a visionary masterpiece that has always been ahead of its time. Feminists for the 70s, punk performance for the 80s, post-apocalyptic vision for the 90s, it deserves an absolute celebration for its empowering invention of female buddies on the move. The book, Cult Filmmakers, 50 Movie Mavericks You Need to Know About, written by Ian Hayden Smith, had this to say. Daisies offers up a caustic broadside against the communist establishment and its hypocritical ruling elite. The thesis behind this series of increasingly outrageous escapades is that if the world has gone bad, then why shouldn't two of its citizens? Does this make you want to watch the film? Hey, it should. On the video at City University's YouTube channel from 1997, Professor Jerry Carlson interviewed Vera Hitalova and she had this to say. Whenever I make any type of film, my first concern is always with human emotions and human behavior. And in this film, my co-author and I were particularly concerned with the question of destructiveness, the human appetite or impulse to destroy things. Of course, in a certain way, this was directed against the regime of the time, which has in many ways destroyed human lives. It was particularly a response to the question of so-called rehabilitation and the whole concept of rehabilitation because it seemed to me that a human life cannot really be rehabilitated once it has been destroyed. There's no repairing it. The comedy is obviously an ironic film. It's meant to poke fun at human behavior and human mortality. By no sense did we want to make a psychological film as such. Of course, that was precisely how authorities perceived it. 
that this was a film of contemporary youth. In fact, it was very much our intention that these characters would behave almost as puppets and in no way with psychological realism. One of the main themes we wanted to develop was how the smallest kind of evil intention or destructive intention can cause a gradual development and snowball, as it were, so that increases to a greater level, even to the level of war, and that ultimately it's not a question of the size of the act to begin with. If the act and its origins is evil, it can have these consequences. So now it's time for me to talk about my favorite scene, and to do that I need to talk about the end. So this will be a spoiler. Not completely, but I'll spoil a bit of the end, so you may want to see the film before. Now there's a version of it on YouTube, and there are subtitles as long as you hit the little closed captioning icon. And it's also on Max, the channel that used to be HBO Max. They have a very good print. So now, if you don't want this bit of a spoiler, go watch it and then come back. Or just skip over the next few minutes of this podcast. The two girls use a mechanical dumbwaiter in a building to find a room with a huge feast laid out on a table and there's no one around. They begin to eat all the food, enjoying what's there and drinking all the liquor. When they come across a cake, they begin a food fight and they finally begin to destroy all the food and drink, walking across the table. They destroy everything, breaking plates and glasses while surf music plays. swinging from a chandelier. They fly off the chandelier and wind up in a lake. They're struggling and crying out for help to some loggers nearby. They start to plead, we don't want to be bad. We don't want to be spoiled anymore. And then they wind up back in the banquet room. And I'm going to leave it at that. It does have a very good and surprising end. And the very end of the film, when the credits begin, it says it's dedicated to those who get upset over a stomped-upon bed of lettuce. One of the big complaints the communist government had about this film was that they showed the wasting of food. 
the U.S. Irvine website had this to say. In interviews and historical documents, Hitalova has always maintained that she intended Daisies to be a coded critique of its protagonists. In her view, the socialist bureaucrats who denounced it for celebrating its depraved heroines and for food wastage were misreading the film. Far from upholding the two Maries as role models, Hikalova claims that the film is a morality play, a grotesque or distorted comedy that condemns its unruly heroines on ethical grounds. Now, I don't know about all that. One reason I'm quoting a lot of other people as far as what this film is actually about is... I just don't know. I just enjoyed watching it. Not for any political reasons, but just as a quirky comedy. I always maintain that different is better than ordinary, but maybe that's just me. For some reason, this film just made me happy. But now we have to talk about, does everybody feel the same? Let's look to what the IMDb user reviews had to say. Logan X211 gave it the full 10 stars. This is what he or she wrote. Nothing comes close. One of the most vibrant and fun arthouse films you're ever likely to see. Vera Hikalova was merging feminism, nihilism, psychedelic color filters, collage aesthetic, and silent film slapstick into a one-of-a-kind film about two young girls named Marie who decide to self-destruct and be just as wicked as the world. They can men into buying them lunch and ditch them at train stations, get drunk at posh nightclubs, set their beds on fire, and lay siege to a whole banquet. This later got the film and the director into lots of trouble with the Soviet Czech government for wasting food. Anyway, this is an energetic and vibrant film as you're likely to find anywhere, and unlike so many great Euro art films, this one is as fun to watch as to think about afterwards. I've shown this movie to a lot of people and never had a complaint. It clocks in at just over an hour. So if you've got the time, go for it. It's a one-of-a-kind experience. In fact, the worst part of this movie is the cover. Andy29626 thought this film only deserves seven stars, and he wrote, Experimental feminism film from the Czech New Wave is a must-see. Director Vera Hitalova's Anarchic Feminism film from the mid-1960s is hard to describe in terms of plot. Basically, it's about the various antics and gags of two young women. The victim of the practical jokes tend to be established society in general, which exists in a socialist system as was Czechoslovakia at the time, and older men in particular. Aggressively experimental, this movie uses several types of film stock, even in a single scene, as well as in-your-face editing cuts. There are several anti-phallic gags, with the girls cutting while giggling, sausages, bananas, etc., as well as an apocalyptic food fight. The girls seem to have a particular obsession with food. It's fun, imaginative, subversive, but even at a running time of less than a half an hour, tiresome at times. One quick thought here. I think you meant to say less than an hour and a half because the film is 76 minutes long, so not less than a half an hour. Derek Durden 11 only gave it five stars, and this is what he thought. Disappointing. I've heard very good things about this, and it's been on my watch list for years. Disappointing, therefore, to find out I really didn't enjoy it that much. After an intriguing start, it just descends into silliness. 
I'm sure there's a political message in there, but even for a short film, it got too boring for me. Nice to see the Francisca restaurant in Prague, which used to be my favorite. Nice cinematography, though. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood. Well, Derek, maybe you weren't. And Dark Spot on 3 only gave it one star. He or she didn't care for this movie. And let their feelings be known when they wrote, This is not a movie. This is probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. There's no plot. There's zero comedy. And this is a comedy. And it's just unwatchable. I understand the point. Nothing matters. That's the message I'm getting. But if nothing matters, why does this movie matter? I honestly cannot think of any positives for this movie. I really can't. This movie is just a mess. And the ending was just offensive. Wasting food for the sake of a movie when we got actual people dying to eat that delicious food? If you're into art house nonsense like Eraserhead, Gummo, or Begotten, you've probably already seen this. As for me, no, never again. I flat out refuse to watch this thing ever again in my life. Somebody's just trying too hard to be weird, and that's just brain melting. You know, before I started today's episode, I thought, I'm going to stop commenting too much about user reviews. I mean, people are entitled to their own opinion, but I've got to say something about this one. First of all, where did you get the idea that the point of this movie is nothing matters? I mean, I'm not that bright, but I, I can guarantee that's not the point of this movie. And then your comment about it's offensive because they're wasting food for the sake of a movie when actual people are dying to eat that delicious food. What did James Cameron spend on Avatar? Something like a quarter billion dollars? That's a lot of money that was used to make that movie that could have been used to buy food for the starving. What are you talking about? Food is used in every movie as a prop. That's just the way it works. With that logic, we shouldn't make movies anymore. We should just use those funds to buy delicious food for those who need it. I, I just don't get it. Your, your comment, Derek, is brain melting. I'm sorry, shouldn't I have said that? Oh, well. this film was by, and here we go with those Czech names again, Yuri Slitter, born 1924, and Yuri Sust, born 1931. Slitter was a Czech songwriter, pianist, singer, actor, and painter. And according to Wikipedia, together with Yuri Sust, he significantly influenced Czech pop music and theater in the 1960s. Sust was a Czech actor and writer, who also wrote music. The music in this film drifts from style to style, like you might expect in a film like this, and it is a lot of fun. And I started to wonder if a soundtrack album was available. Piss it. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. It is vital that you stay in your homes. Avoid all physical contact with the assailants. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Why have we got to go to Lizzie? Because I love her. 
A little bit before I go. Daisy's was very successful and it enabled Hidalova to get financing for her next film, Fruits of Paradise. Another very successful film. But soon, after the Soviet Union invaded Czechoslovakia in 1968, she got blacklisted and found it very difficult to find work. She resorted to directing commercials under her husband's name. It wasn't until 1976 when the government approached her to start making films due to low cinema attendance, that and because of the international fame she was suddenly achieving, that she was able to start making films once again. She died on March 12, 2014 at the age of 85. If you've got any thoughts on Daisies or Vera Hitalova or anything else connected with today's show, you can email me at daysofcelluloid at gmail.com. Days of Celluloid, all being one word. You can also use that email address to tell me about a film you think I should see or talk about, or even just to say hi. You can also use our Facebook page, it's called Celluloid Days, and I have a Twitter page that I post daily on called Celluloid underscore Days. Next week I'm going to talk about a wonderful comedy, Shaun of the Dead from 2004. Co-written by star Simon Pegg and director Edgar Wright, this is a fantastic film that also features Kate Ashfield, Lucy Davis, and Nick Frost. It should be a lot of fun. Now, before I leave, I have one more request. If you could leave me a review, hopefully a good one, wherever you stream this podcast, I'd be forever grateful. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next Monday. Take care. Bye-bye. They're under the goddamn ground. Tell them about the tweaking. What about the Twinkies? They have 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. Two dollars multipass. Multipass. You know this multipass. Your stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. I don't know whether I even want to go out with Jeff again. The High Court may well sentence you to torture. Can you play the piano? I can't.